Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Okay, today I want to talk to you about the coming glory. I know. So, the good news is that glory is coming. Uh, the medium, not so good news, is that it's kind of like getting an apple out of a tree. He's got to shake the tree so that the glory will fall out. That's kind of what's happening right now, right? But this is the thing we've actually been praying for. And when it gets here, we can't go, what? <laughs> because we've actually been asking for this. And so it's really good. So I'm going to be talking this morning about this coming glory, which is also in my book that it just got published, which um, we have these for sale outside. You're welcome to pick one up today, or you can come on Friday night. We are having a party. I love to throw parties, and, and I, my love language is like um, um, quality time with people, and I'm an extrovert, like times 100. So I like to have about 200 people around me at all times, and then my love bucket gets full. John, of course, is not that way. So we have to kind of bargain about how we're going to work that all out. But conferences make me very happy, right? Birthday parties, awesome. Any kind of celebration. So it's this Friday night at 7 p.m. here at Storehouse. We're going to have a food truck. If you like hot dogs, they're gourmet hot dogs. I'm not kidding you. Like hot dogs wrapped in bacon. It's like double glory, right? Yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know. I picked it out. Yeah, you're going to love it. Anyway, and if you're kosher, I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right, so um, let's just start. Let me just pray. Well, Father, I just ask that you would fill my mouth with your word this morning. And I thank you, Lord, for what you've done and how you've prepared your people for such a time as this. Amen. Um. You know, I, I've released several things um, on Facebook Live. I don't know if any of you have seen them, but um, I just want to say this. Um, Donald Trump is going to win. <laughs> Period. It's already done. Now, I don't know if you are Democrat or Republican. I'm like neither these days. I'm just for whoever God says that he wants. And that I, I, I say, okay, I'll do that. So prophets don't get an opinion. They just get to release what heaven is saying, okay? And the Lord has spoken very clearly to his prophets in the land, more than one, more than ten, a lot, all over the world, that Donald Trump is his guy. Um, and it's important to God because as America goes, the world is going to go. And the only thing that is holding back, yes, I'm going to say it, a one-world governmental agenda is America. All right, so you are the beachhead, we are the beachhead, and within that is the church, and as the church goes, so America will go. And so the Lord has been spending a lot of his heart and words releasing his people into the truth that they really are, okay? So how many of you think that the model of the Western church is what God had in his heart all along. Can you raise your hand if you think that's true? Okay. Okay, I want you to think about this for a minute. This is the God who created heaven and earth and everything in it. This is the God that holds seven stars 
in his hand. Do you think that he said, I'm going to send my son down there because I want to start a religion that's like all the other religions? Or did he send his son to die to call his people back to him so they could hear him again, bring his kingdom to the earth, prepare for his return, and loose the words of God, take authority, rule and reign with him in the earth, right? Did he, did he, did he come and, and, and fill us up with his spirit to create a new creation, God in man, where nothing will stand against us? That's right. That's right. That's right. And the Lord told me, now don't hate me for this because I'm the messenger, okay? But he told me that he is coming to judge his church. And that puts great fear in my heart personally. And he said to me, I am going to judge my silent pulpit. Who gauges what they will say based on how many people they will lose. Now, I want you to think about what the church was doing and where the power of God was when Hitler was murdering and annihilating the Jewish people. They were silent. They had come into agreement. What did they want? If this is making you uncomfortable, I apologize for that. Not really. It's kind of who I am. But I'm telling you, Jesus himself preached messages that caused people to be offended. I mean, I'm sorry, but our job is to release the truth of the word of God, period, so that God's people are sharp, prepared, and fully equipped to take the land. But instead, we play it safe. Because what we're trying to do is get a big church. So, let's open your Bibles to Acts chapter 7. That was actually nothing about my message. I just thought I would say that. Let's just start with a bang, shall we? All right, Acts chapter 7. All right, this is uh, Stephen, the first martyr. The guy had something to say to the Jewish people. So he got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I mean, this guy goes off and starts basically recanting the history of the Jewish people to the leadership 
the, the Sanhedrin and the, the Pharisees. I mean, he's just sitting there talking and telling them, this is what you've done. This is who you are. This is the history, your history. I'm going to tell you your own history. Wait, I have glasses. Here they are. Okay, hold on. They're stuck. Okay, here we go. All right, we're going to start in verse 44. Because as he's telling them, he's also telling them about this tabernacle that God is, has come to create. He says this, Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness. As he appointed, instructed Moses to make it according to the pattern that he had seen, which our fathers, having received it in turn, also brought Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of David, who found favor before God and asked to find a dwelling for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophet said. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? So... Stephen, who, by the way, got martyred right after this, because what he's saying is so offensive. He's saying that Jesus came and he died so that God could tabernacle with man and that your body is a human temple in which the Lord resides. Right? Right? See, a lot of us have this idea of that conceptually, but we don't really know how to live it out. And that's what I wrote my book about, okay? There's going to be several of those plugs throughout, so <laughs> just prepare yourself. Shamelessly. All right. So years ago, gosh, honey, when was it? It was like... 1999, the Holy, August 12th, 1999, the Holy Spirit broke in on me. I wasn't a believer, never read the Bible, um, making money, money was my God, building companies, um, and uh, the Holy Spirit broke in and said, rebuild my temple. Now, that's kind of weird that you know, I didn't know God spoke, first of all. I mean, I don't know if y'all knew that, but I didn't know that. I was like, what? I mean, this was a undeniable, audible voice of the Lord, broke in, rebuild my temple. So a couple of things happened to me in that particular moment, which was shock and unbelief that I'm hearing the voice of God the second part of that was rebuild my temple. So he, he saved me with a command, which if anybody knows me, I'm German, I'm a workaholic, you know, tell me to go do something and I'm like out the door. I've already got it done before you finished your sentence, you know, it's just like that. So, uh, but again, I'm thinking, I, what? 
rebuild my temple, rebuild my temple, rebuild my temple. So for seven days after that, every morning as I was waking up, I would hear the same voice, rebuild my temple, rebuild my temple. Seven times, rebuild my temple. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm not Jewish. That's the only temple that I know of, okay? Which <laughs> I know, right? So... Um, then, secondly, okay, so rebuild my temple, just like that, like a, like, a, like a bubble, like in a cartoon. Let it sit there, rebuild my temple, okay? And now I've got another bubble for you, and it is second. I ask him, what is this all about? And he said, it's about Babylon. Again. I don't know, what? And I turned to John, I'm like, John, what is Babylon? And he's like, oh, I think it's a tower. I'm like, oh, okay, again, never cracked this book. Now, I knew about the Ten Commandments because I watched Charlton Heston, okay? That's right, it's as far as it went. So, again, the second little bubble, it's about Babylon. And third, he went on and he said in a dream, I had this prophetic dream, never had a prophetic dream before, I had this prophetic dream where I was having Zerubbabel's baby. Okay. Okay, so little me. And then all of a sudden I went into three weeks of open revelation. I was seeing angels and demons with my open eyes. I was seeing words like out in front of me, kind of like alphabet soup. And um, it was a really interesting time to be married to me. Right, babe? Yep. So, and you think to yourself, that's so odd. And it's not common. And, and so, for 15 years, I led kind of this life of Zerubbabel. And so, the Lord talked to me in regards to what he's doing in this last generation and how he's preparing this last generation for his return. And that there is a huge, say huge like Donald Trump, huge shift in his church and the expression of Christianity is changing right in front of our eyes. It's changing into what? It's changing into what Stephen said. Stephen said that this is the tabernacle not made with hands. But it is a tabernacle that was created by God. And once again, he is breathing his breath back into his people. And they are going to do great exploits. Amen. All right. So let me just give you kind of a, uh, I'm going to give you the crib note version, or not crib note, um, the cliff note version of this, okay? But I'm not going to tell you too much because I want you to go buy it. It's like $18 and something. Heather, how much is it? $18 and 39 cents. I have to pay taxes. $18 and 39 cents. Yes, not 39 cents. <laughs> Come on. All right, so the Old Testament, when you read the Old Testament, a lot of the things in the Old Testament, even though they were real at the time, 
they are symbolic because everything points to Jesus. Everything points to his kingdom. And so he shows us in the Old Testament these things. So in the Old Testament, you had two temples that were built, two physical temples. The first was the temple of Solomon. Right. So he built the temple. And then the second was the temple of Zerubbabel. Okay. So I'm asking myself, I have to ask myself, why? Why is this Zerubbabel guy so important to you? And what is it about the temple that he built is significant for this generation? Because I think those are pretty good questions. Because he went to a lot of trouble to communicate this to me over the last 15 years. In this book, you will find two chapters that are filled with prophecies, not just from the things that the Lord spoke to me, but the things that he spoke to so many other people. There are encounters. He sent angelic messengers, two angelic messengers to the earth to say the plumb line is now in the hand of Zerubbabel. To another pastor who, who is well known in the book, he, he, he came, Jesus himself came and said the plumb line is now in the hand of Zerubbabel. Prophecy after prophecy. And, and what's really interesting, I find, is that in, in the very heart of everything that he's doing is this city called Dallas. And there is, a, there is something that this city is carrying that is a key to loosing this governmental authority throughout the body of Christ and into every nation of the earth. Now, there have been signs in the heavens and on the earth that are wonders and miracles that have, that have communicated what he wants to do. All of that is in the book. Also, there's a history lesson in the book. Because, you know, a, a good book worth its weight in... Uh, 1890, 1839, uh, $18.39 is not worth anything if you don't talk about the truth of God's word throughout. So there's history, there's, um, there's prophecy, but there's also a how-to, how good, this is all good. Now, how do we walk in this? How do we walk it out? What are we supposed to look like? How are we supposed to function in order to carry this glory? Because every time God is going to rebuild a temple, that temple has to have a priesthood. All right, so Solomon's temple symbolizes the presence of the internal law and the testimony of God's nature. You can write that down if you want. Solomon's temple symbolizes the presence of the internal law. Where did the law go? It says in the book of Hebrews that the law has now come within us. Okay, so Solomon's temple had the law in the Ark of the Covenant. Right? All right? It also symbolized the testimony. The Ark of the Covenant was the testimony of God, the nature of God, the goodness of God, the, 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 the supernatural provision of God. Right? All right. Zerubbabel's temple, it symbolizes the new priesthood that you are supposed to be walking in. Why is there a powerless church? Because God's people are not walking in the authority 
and in, to take dominion. Heard that word here lately? Hmm? Come on. Let me tell you who's supposed to be taking dominion. It would be you. Now, the enemy's going to try to take dominion, and he's going to try to usurp. Listen, this is not about politics. This is not about, this is about God's people going to war with the enemy of God. And God is saying, my people better get up and get prepared because the battle is going to get even more fierce in the days to come. But the victory belongs to us. All right? So you got to get, get the book. 1839. All right, every temple requires a priest. Every, remember that. You are a priest. Jesus came as a forerunner in the order of Melchizedek. Now, I know that's a mouthful. I know I've just said like two really big names to you. You've got Zerubbabel and Melchizedek, and everybody's like, okay, just let's, can we just focus on Moses? (laughs) But this is where it gets good. We are meat eaters. Amen? Come on. Raising an army. Raising an army. All right. This is a rebuilt temple that I wrote in my book. This is the biggest God shift since Jesus came the first time. What you're in the middle of, let me tell you something. You guys, we, this is where it gets fun. Now, I realize we're all kind of standing right now before the Red Sea going, well, I guess, Moses, you took us in the wrong direction. Because that looks like a sea, and right behind us is coming the Egyptian army. And this is not looking very good. You know, I would have been like, Moses, hey, where's the map? You know, let a woman get us there. (laughs) The only time John and I ever argue is when I'm in the passenger seat telling him where to go all the time. And he's like, woman? But it would be better if you went this way. Every woman in here knows, every wife in here knows what I'm talking about, right? We're just made with like a map in our head. Can't help it. Oh, thank you, Lord. I have a patient husband. All right, so the truth is, the gospel of the kingdom is that we access heaven and we transform the earth, and we live in this way and this life, right? The ways of the kingdom. Very interesting about the ways of the kingdom. It's actually not very complicated, the ways of the kingdom. It's very simple. The gospel is simple, but if we keep preaching the gospel of salvation, people aren't going to really get it. They're like, okay, well, I don't, I want to get saved right before I die because I just want to live like hell on this side and then party and, you know, do what I want to do and not have to live under a bunch of rules. You're like, okay, okay, that's the wrong gospel. It's not the good news of salvation. Salvation is just your open door into the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom is like heaven has everything you need. Heaven has everything you need. You'll never, ever, ever have to be afraid. You'll never have to be scared. You're never going to have to miss a rent payment again. Nobody of Christ is ever here going, I don't have any money. You're like, what are you talking about? That isn't even a concern of ours because heaven has everything that you need. 
let me tell you something, beloved. I know how to multiply money. I know how to multiply stuff. I know how to multiply time. And every single one of us, I know how to multiply food. And if this offends you, I am telling you, it is such good news that it's offensive. Because you're like, well, but if it's going to be, it's up to me. Well, you can keep doing it that way, but it's going to stress you out, and you're going to get all worn out and tired. And he said that we're supposed to enter into his rest. Can I get an amen? amen. That wasn't like a suggestion. That was like a mandate. If you are not entering into my rest of my kingdom, that God has every single thing that we need available to us. And let me tell you what, you start preaching this message in the third world countries, I'm telling you, man, you start teaching them how to fish, you start teaching them how to bring the glory down, and they are going to run to the gospel. But instead, we're like, okay, well, let us feed you instead of showing you how to catch your own fish. Again, there's that seeker-friendly thing. I just, the gospel of salvation, if you'll just get saved. And those people are looking at us going, why would I serve your God? You're poorer than I am to these missionaries. But if you tell them, I can help you. I can help you. It's, Jesus said this when he was in the boat with his disciples. He said this, he said, it is not the signs and wonders that caused them to follow me, but because I multiplied the food. See, the gospel of the kingdom is very practical. He said this, if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be given to you as well. If you function in the model of the priest and the king, which is the priesthood of Melchizedek, you will pull down heaven's resources. But here's what's happening right now in the world. The enemy, Daniel 7 says this, that the enemy will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and laws. See, what the enemy is trying to do right now is he's actually trying to usurp God's timeline. And so, and, but the only thing that is standing between him getting that done is you. And so what's happened in America through the shaking that we've experienced this year, and I praise God for COVID, sorry, Here's why. Because it woke up his sleepy church. The church is finding her voice again. Therefore, what she's done is over these past, I don't know, eight months, she has started to roar and it's created a wave of resistance against what the enemy has been trying to do. And you can see that as you see people. I mean, there is a prayer rally on every corner. And we're taking prayer into the marketplace. Amen? 2015, Lance Wallnow prophesied that Trump was a Cyrus. And so did the Sanhedrin Council in Jerusalem. When this happened, I knew it was time to write my book. Or not write my book, but to publish my book. This has been at the publishers for a couple of years. That's what they do. They kind of put it in the queue. I didn't know that, but they do. Anyway, for such a time as this. Now, 
why is it important that Osiris, because Cyrus was the one that initiated the rebuilding of Zerubbabel's temple. Okay, so look at Isaiah 45. We're going to read through some of these. I'm not going to read through the whole thing. I encourage you to get it. Because if you want to see the truth about what's really happening right now, this Red Sea moment, when Osiris shows up, what happens is two things. There's going to be an exodus, and there's going to be a rebuilt temple. Okay? So, Chapter 45, verse 1. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose hand I have held, to subdue nations before him and to loose the armor of kings. All right. The Lord can use anybody he wants, and Cyrus was a demonic king. He used to have orgies and whatnot, you know. I mean, have you seen that movie 300? Please tell me no, but anyway. If you have or know about it, that's who he's talking about. This was a Persian king. This guy was not a good guy, he, but the spirit of the Lord came upon him, so therefore he did God's will. I don't care if they said Obama was a Cyrus, he would do God's will because the spirit of the Lord came upon him. Woo, that's powerful. All right, so, but he is doing God's will, and he knows, Trump knows he's doing God's will. All right. To Cyrus, whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him to loose the armor of kings. Well, who are these kings? Now, you've heard me talk about this before. These kings can be found in Psalm 2 and in Revelation 17. You need to go research that. There are the Babylonian kings. Remember what the Lord said to me. It's about Babylon. Okay? So, what is he doing? What happens when you lose the armor of kings? Their chest is exposed so that God's people can now take them out. What happens? Their chest is now exposed, which means their heart is exposed. Their motivations are exposed. All of the things they've been doing behind the scenes is exposed. So what is Trump doing? And he's not just doing this in America. He is against the kings of the nations right now exposing what they have been doing, their plans in order to bring God's people to their knees. Again, this is, this is not about money. This is not about population control. This is about, this is a war between Satan and his kings who have given their, who, who have taken his power for a time and God's people. We know that because it says it. It says it in Psalm 2, and it says it in, in, in Revelation 17. This is about you. This is about your children. This is about our family. This is about the destiny. This is about preparing the place for God to return. Woo! All right. So, to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. All right. This guy has opened up double doors. That means the door to heaven and the door to earth. I am telling you, man, it is game on for the church. There is a huge opportunity for us to advance in this hour. 
I will go before you and I will make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and I will cut the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches in secret places. Basically, what's going to happen is that I'm going to make the crooked places straight. Do you know how crooked the gospel has become? And he's saying, I am going to make straight my word so that my people the plumb line, the truth of heaven will begin to fall in them and they will be established firmly in that truth. Can I get an amen? Are y'all still with me? All right. Then he says this in verse eight, rain down new heavens from above and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open. Let them bring forth salvation. Let righteousness spring up together. He's basically saying that through this Cyrus anointing that a great harvest is coming in. Okay? So I'm going to fast forward here. All right. So you've got this anointing on, 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 on um, the Cyrus. The kings are getting uncovered so that we can see all of their wickedness. The blinders are coming off of God's people. It's clearing the way for a partnering with a woke remnant. See, when, when uh, they came over from Babylon, Babylon, what does Babylon mean? Does anybody know? Confusion. All right? What happens when you're not confused anymore? Have any of you ever, I mean, anybody here over 50, like you get brain fog? Or anybody get to eat too much sugar and all of a sudden you're like in a brain coma? You're kind of confused. You're like, I'm looking for the word. It's there someplace, but I can't actually find it. Well, well, basically what happens when we come at that's way where we've been living. We've been living in this confused state. But now what's happening is the church is waking up, coming out of confusion. That's what the name Zerubbabel actually means. It actually means to flow from confusion or to come out of confusion. Come on is right. All right. All right, so when Osiris shows up, an exodus has to happen. All right, so we're exiting out of this place of confusion. When, when, when the church, like, gets woke, guess what happens? She gets wild. When the church gets woke, it's like, wait, wait a minute. Oh, I was doing it wrong. Okay, I got it. Now I get to do it right, and that's where it starts to get fun. Wait, 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 you mean I speak to this thing, and I can, I can command it to cut, fall into the sea? Wait, I can, I, can, I can command that thing to bless. I can bind that up. I can loose that. Okay, come on. All right, the other thing that happens is the rebuilt temple. Now, every single time in history with both the exodus from Egypt and the exodus from Babylon, what, what was it unto? It was unto worship. Remember, let my people go so that they can come to the wilderness and worship me, right? Come to the mountain and worship me, right? Second time, what are they doing? They're rebuilding the temple so that they can worship God. Okay, let me give you a, a lesson here about worship. Worship is not what you just heard. That's what we call it because we're all singing, coming together, and, and declaring the goodness of God. Uh, this goes all the way back to the law of first mention. In the Bible, when something is first mentioned, it's, it's, it's original intent. 
So Abraham, when he was taking his son Isaac up the mountain, he said, Father, where's the, where's the ram or the sacrifice? And he said, we're going to go up the mountain and worship the Lord. What he's saying is that worship is first obedience. We're going to go. He's getting the people out of Babylon or out of confusion so that they can hear and see and obey. We are called to worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm speaking to, I, this is good, man. Stay with me. I, I'm telling you, spirit and in truth. So the spirit brings the truth. We obey what we hear and we advance the cause of Christ and even yourself in the process. And the promises to your generation, and this is where it gets good. The promises is this. Number one, in the book of Haggai, he says this. I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken so that everyone will come to the desire of all nations. I'm going to shake everything so that there will be a harvest and then an, or an awakening. And then he said, the silver and the gold are mine. P.S., there's going to be an outpouring of incredible wealth, more than you can hope or imagine that's ever, never, ever been seen in the earth before. And it is for the harvest. Okay? Who's going to be paying for this? You are. Then the second thing is he said, and in this place I will, no, he said, in the, the, the glory of the latter house is greater than the former. And in this place I will pour out my peace. That word peace means completeness or fullness. Okay, so let's talk about a house that the glory's been poured out in. Well, you've never seen it. It's happened once before in the Bible when they were building Solomon's temple. Trust me, every priest was on his face because the glory of God showed up. The glory of God showed up in a measure that there was no carrying it. There fell on their faces. But the beauty of this latter temple is it's going to be both the former and the latter rain poured out on you. And because you have said yes to this priesthood, you're going to be able to carry this glory. The glory will dwell in you and everywhere you go, you will deposit it. And there will be a great outpouring unlike has ever been seen since the beginning of time. Now, I say that with all boldness and humility. But you have been called by God to prepare the way for his return. He is raising up a company of people who will rule and reign with him as his governmental people. It is no longer about sitting in a church service and being entertained. The God of the universe does not need smoke machines in order to make you feel good. Brother Young said this when visiting all the Brother Young, the, the, the Chinese uh, uh, dissident who was tortured for, I don't know how many years, like 30 years. <clears throat> they brought him to America. And he had, had all kinds of miracles happening in, in prison, right? A sign and a wonder, the guy. 
And they said, what did you think about all of the churches we showed you? And he said, well, it's remarkable what you can do without the Holy Spirit. <laughs> just saying. So anyway, I'm going to just stop there. <laughs> All right, so uh, let me just tell you one quick testimony. So John and I were um, years ago, like 10 years ago. How old is Sam? Sam's 20. It was when he was 8, so it would be 12 years ago. Um, John and I had uh, this great time in the Lord's presence, and his income was based on um, sales, so commission. You know, so every month you get what you get, you know. And um, the Lord really moved on us in prayer and, and worship. And we really felt like the Lord was telling us to give twice, start sowing 20% instead of 10%. And, um, and that was going to make it pretty tight for us. But we said, yes, Lord. And so we prayed and said, we agree with you. We're going to do it. And the next month... We are looking forward to our new, you know, tithing, our 20%. <clears throat> There's a little bit of a problem, though, because um, we received half of what we needed to pay our bills. And so we had a decision to make, and we had already agreed, and we had already agreed with the, the Lord. And so in order to worship him, we needed to do what we had already agreed on. So... We didn't want to wait for church. Uh, this is when we were still going to church at Sojourn. We didn't want to wait for church. And so we went and we said, we had one of those mailboxes that once you put it in, you can't get it out. I mean, well, you could, but you'd have to like really like get your arm stuck. Anyway, so we said, okay, we're, we're going to do this. So we wrote the check. We stuck it in the mailbox. That was, that was um, and Samuel had school the next day. And um, so we're on DEFCON 5. How many of you have been there? Like, you can't even think about something that you want. You're just on the needs. We're just on, on beans and rice. And so, um, you know, we're like, well, we're going to need a miracle here, God, because, you know. So I looked at Samuel, and um, he came up to me. He had one pair of pants. Um, again, DEFCON 5. And... Um, which were a size eight. And I said to him, take your pants off. I'll wash them and dry them so you can have them in the morning. And these are actually them. And you can see how many of you have eight-year-old boys. Um, knees are all blown out. Um, anyway, so they were way up on his ankles, which today that's fashionable, but then it, of course, wasn't, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Um. So I said, take them off. So I washed them. I stuck them in the dryer before I went to bed. I woke up the next morning, and when I woke up the next morning, there was another pair of jeans in the dryer. So there were two pair of exactly the same jean. But the other pair was a size 10. Now, of course, my mind, being so spiritual, I thought maybe some child came in and left out of my house in the middle of the night naked because that made sense. <laughs> but what happened is that the Lord was showing me the beauty of multiplication. Okay? 
that I am able to give you more than you could hope or imagine. That when you seek first my kingdom and his righteousness, all else will be given to you. All means everything. It means that it's not just the things that you need, but he said, I will give you the things that you desire. Okay? So what John and I learned is we learned how to operate as both priest and king to God. Therefore, we knew how to get out of heaven and release it. And by the way, we didn't miss one meal that, that month, not one meal. We ate like kings, and we paid every single bill. You tell me how that works. I don't know, but it happened. Now, if you want your clothes and your wallets to multiply in your dryer, you need to go get my book. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> kind of. There are testimonies in here about how we took authority over cities and we saw the kingdom shift over cities. I am telling you this applies to everything, to your family, to your needs, to your wants. It applies to everything. So I hope that you'll get it. And more than that, I hope you'll come to my party because we're going to have a great time. And um, we're going to worship together. We're going to dance together. Um, it's right here at Storehouse, 7 p.m. on Friday night. Love you guys. Let's stand and, and pray. I kind of went over. Sorry. But there was a lot to cover. Well, Holy Spirit, I just thank you for what you're doing in this hour, God. I thank you that you've brought your people to a Red Sea reality. And God, that you are moving mountains on our behalf. I thank you, Father, that we have been called into a partnership. That we have the privilege to partner with you. We have the privilege to release heaven on the earth. God, I thank you that you trust us. That you love us. And that we are your friends. God, I thank you that the best is yet to come, that we are going to live in the most glorious time, and this is going to be our best days, our best hours, and we are going to have a blast doing it. So we bless you, God. I bless all of you as you go out today. Tip your waiters really well. In Jesus' name, amen.